and uh, what a blessing to join together in in praise to God and prayer to God. I invite you again, Mark chapter seven. <clears throat> what is there that you fear? It might be something you fear in the future, something. Um, that you've had a bad experience with and look looking back thinking, I don't want that ever to happen. So what is it you fear? And then I want to ask, are you shocked at the evil in the world today? When you see what's happening in our world today, does it shock you? And where do you believe the greatest danger is in your world? In, in the world you live in, where do you believe is the greatest danger? And are you bothered by the behavior of other believers, others that profess to be Christians and Bothered by their behavior? A couple more questions here just to try to get us thinking. Does it surprise you when your kids lie to you? I've taught you better than this. I can't believe... Do you, do you ever find yourself saying or thinking with your kids... I can't believe you would do such a thing. I mean, most parents have been at that point. In all of those, they have a, a common thread that we hope to, I was going to say, tie together, or we may be unraveling that thread this morning. We'll see. Uh, how it goes, okay? But, as in many cases in our lives, we learn from Mark chapter 7 that all too often we are like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a group of very religious people they were committed to the, the Jewish law. They were committed to the law of God so much so that they took the law of God and then they gave dissertations on the law of God that said, this is the law of God and you don't want to get close to breaking the law of God so this is what you need to do. You need to stay this far away with whatever made it even more stringent and more strict. And then not only that, they had those oral dissertations, but then they got together and they wrote those all down in what Jews still today know as the Mishnah. So you had the, the law of God, and then you had, in addition to that, the, the Pharisees, the rabbis, the leaders had their opinion of what that meant. 
And then they gathered all those together and wrote them down. And so this is really what they were following. So when Jesus comes on the scene and and these people are over here guarding all these laws that were originally based on this, they saw some things that made red flags go up to them. And they said, wait a minute. We see your people violating these laws. Now the motive of the Pharisees was they wanted to do what is right. They didn't want to violate the law of God. But in so doing, just because their motive was right, it didn't mean that they were doing right. And... And their focus was in the wrong area. Their focus was on all these external things. And Jesus comes along and he completely turns their world upside down. Now, now let me just say, <clears throat> Jesus' disciples weren't eating <clears throat> with dirty hands. So none of you kids take from this when your parents say, did you wash your hands before you ate? No, I didn't wash my hands. Even Jesus' disciples ate with unwashed hands. They washed their hands. They were clean. But the Jews had established that you had to wash in certain ways. If you even walk through the marketplace, you had to wash your hands because you may have come in contact with an unclean person. It was a special ritual. It was about how you washed your cups and your copper and all these things. And it was tedious. It was painstaking. And it was detailed. So when Jesus comes along and his disciples are eating with clean hands, but not like they say it should be, it caused a problem. And Jesus addressed it. I mean, he just jumped in with both feet in verse 6. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? That's that's not what um, speech teachers say is a good way to start a speech, okay? Just to immediately punch him in the nose, all right? But he was speaking the truth. And in essence... He said to them that you're looking at the wrong thing. You have the wrong focus. And it's easy for us to get the wrong focus. And we fail to realize that our biggest problem is not that we live with flawed people who bring trouble our way. For that we live in a fallen world where temptation is around every corner. Or that governments are evil. Or that there is much evil in this world. No, our biggest difficulty and our greatest danger that we face resides in every one of our hearts. And our heart 
seeks to redirect our thoughts, our desires, our emotions, and our motivations to that which is against God. The greatest thing that we should fear is what's in our heart. The greatest danger that we face is what is in, what's in our heart. It, it really shouldn't surprise us when, when a kid lies to you. Why? That's what's in the heart. It shouldn't. I can't believe. And, and you know, sometimes as parents we say, where did you learn that? Like there's some evil person that's teaching my kid to act this way. Yeah, it's your nature in their heart. That's where they learned it. It's from their own heart. And when we have the wrong focus, and, and I, I want to be careful, it's not that we don't keep, try to keep evil from us, but I fear many times we're trying to keep evil from us, but we're not addressing the evil that is within us. And this is what Jesus is talking about. But when the focus is wrong... There are some characteristics that come in our life. Number one, we judge and condemn others. And, and I don't want you to, to get sidetracked. We are to have discernment. But you notice what it says here. When they saw that his disciples washed with unwashed hands, they found fault. When we're looking at the wrong things, what we're looking for is finding fault. And they immediately came to conclusions and they condemned them. When we have the wrong focus, we find fault and condemn others. Secondly, we elevate the practice of men above the Word of God. We we may not have the traditions of the Jewish religious people, but we elevate our opinions and our practices, and we've always done it this way, and this is the way it ought to be done, and... We elevate that above what the Word of God says. We don't have time to go into various illustrations there, but I never cease to be amazed at, at tests of fellowship that rise up that I am, I'm not going to be welcoming or accepting or loving of these other believers because they don't cross their T's the same way I do. They don't dot their I's. They, they've got a little different view on this or that. Now, don't get me wrong. If it violates Scripture, but there are many things that the Scripture doesn't say anything about that we elevate above the Word of God. The Word of God must be foundational. So when the focus is wrong, we judge find fault and condemn others. We elevate the practice of men above the Word of God. And we ignore the root problem. 
The root problem is the sin in the heart. And in understanding, that is the root problem. It's not, I, I need to, yes, I need to teach my kids not to lie, but the love for dishonesty, the love of myself, the love of wanting my own way, the love of not looking bad, is the root problem that is in my heart. And when our focus is wrong, the root problem is ignored. And fourthly, when our focus is wrong, we actually reject Christ. The Pharisees were actually standing face to face with the Messiah, the one that was the solution to the problems that they were trying to deal with, And they rejected him. And often in our lives, because we are fighting these exterior battles and not dealing with the heart, we leave Christ on the side. Oh, it's not that we deny him. It's not that we reject him. But in essence, we do reject him because we choose the traditions the opinions, the preferences of ourselves over the Word of God. So the focus has to be on our heart. So how do we deal with the heart, the cure for the heart? Number one, there must be a new heart. When God uses heart in the Bible... It is the seat of our thoughts, our emotions, our desires, our motivations. It is the core of your personhood. And in our heart, sin lives. And because it does, it corrupts our thoughts, our desires, our choices, and our motivations. See, when, when my focus is wrong, I, I am going to run from sin. And we ought to avoid sin. But when my focus is always, keep away from, get that sin away from me, get it away from me. And I don't focus on my own heart. As Babe Ruth said, no matter where you go, there you are. So, I, I may flee that sin, and I could run to a mountain cabin and be the only one there, and I'm separate from sin, except the sin in my own heart. Wherever you go, there is going to be sin. And, and your major problem and my major problem is is not political. It's, it's not the evil in the Middle East or the evil in the streets. It's not other people. Our major problem begins right here in our own heart. And, and there's not going to be any change to any of these external things 
until people's hearts are changed. And the stuff outside of us, no matter how troubling, is not near as dangerous as the mess inside of us. And I wish we prepared and attacked the mess inside of us as much as we mentally and physically prepare for potential messes outside of us. Because I really believe the overwhelming majority of us here today don't really believe that there's a major mess inside of us. I could have gone on and asked more questions at the beginning. Does it ever surprise you of, of big-time Christians that fall into sin? It really shouldn't surprise us because the problem is the heart. How could they do that? Well, somewhere along the line, they neglected the heart. And we are born into this world with a heart that is full of sin, is controlled by sin, and we must get a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. There's a, a new heart. There's new life. There's spiritual life. So, the number one need for every individual is to be born spiritually, to be born again. That gives us a change of heart. And it is only Christ that can change the heart. Jesus gave the teaching and, and said, if someone is going to conquer a house, they must conquer the strong man of the house. The strong man of your house is sin and Satan. And the only one that has conquered sin and death and hell and Satan is Jesus Christ. And so it is only Jesus Christ that can give us a new heart. Thomas Jefferson said uh, something along this line. I don't have the, the exact quote. But he said, Christianity is the friend of government because only Christianity can change the heart. All the laws that are made try to keep the wicked heart in place. But when the heart is changed by Christ, then there is change. We're memorizing the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. If you go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, you find Jesus continually is calling back. And He said, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. That's external. He said, now, I say unto you, thou shalt not be angry with your brother without a cause. That's the heart. He said, you have heard it was said by them of old time, don't commit adultery. He said, no, that, that's not the real issue. 
The real issue begins in your heart. He said, I say unto you that if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery with her already in his heart. Throughout it, he's bringing it back, bringing it back to the heart. And he's saying, it is only Christ that can change the heart. But I wish the moment I got saved that now I completely have a different heart and I don't need to worry about sin anymore. We need to realize the enemy is still within. We need to focus on our heart. Meditate on these things. We need to, we need to humbly realize that the sin inside us has the hooks that hook us to the sin outside of us. If we didn't have the desires in the heart, the temptations wouldn't grab us. And and although as a believer, I now have the flesh and the spirit, and those two are contrary, the one to the other. Galatians tells us, the Bible tells us, and there is a battle that goes on. And that enemy is still within me. And regardless what I do to keep influence out, there is influence in my heart that deceives me and leads me astray. So the most fundamental battleground of our lives is in our heart. That means that we must continually be cleansing the heart with the Word of God. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And verse 9. Psalm 119 and verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? Okay, dealing with my heart. How can I cleanse my heart? By taking heed according to your word. With my my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The key in all of this is the word of God. So I need to be continually cleansing my heart with the word of God. But I go around griping about other people's behavior, talking about how evil the world is, and all these things, but I'm not cleansing my own heart. God says, you're missing the whole point. Now, this last week, how much of the Word of God was actually put into your life, not necessarily just sitting down and reading, but thinking on it, praying on it, How much of the Word of God was put into your life to cleanse your heart? And we say, 
man, I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling and struggling. It's like, I'm about ready to give up. I'm not going to get victory over this. And God says, victory is there through the power of my spirit, which works through the power of the word of God. And we don't have time to go into it, but over and over again, he says, think on these things, whatsoever things are true and honest, just, pure. It's the word of God. Meditate in these things. Give yourself wholly to these things. Read Psalm 119. It's talking about the Word of God over and over again. If I realized my heart can think some wicked thoughts and do some very wicked deeds, and if you've ever, if you've ever said, I don't know how they do that, I would never do that, you are major, majorly deceived. It is only the grace of God. But our heart, we, we need to be filling that heart with the Word of God because out of it, we're not even going to get into it. You'll get into it tonight. It listed all those things that come out of our heart. Jesus said, you're all worried about that eating this is going to defile me and eating this. He says, you're already defiled in your heart. It's not what you eat that defiles you. It's what's in you. And we need a renewed or a brand new awareness of the wickedness of our heart. And I must cleanse it with the Word of God and continually be cleansing it. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. So, here it is. I'm, I've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I now have a new heart. I have the opportunity to do right. I still have the old flesh in me. But as I feed the Spirit through the Word of God... I can walk in victory. And yet at the same time, there are times that I allow my heart to control me and I do what I shouldn't do. 1 John 1 and verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, back to Mark. The Pharisees were saying, Hey, you're sinning here. I haven't sinned in this area. But what's up? What's going on here? They were worried about others and they weren't dealing with their own sin. Oftentimes we say, I haven't sinned. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That's what our heart does, deceives us. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. 
And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So, here we are, living this life, and my desire is to do right, and and yet things come along, and I allow my heart, the evilness in my heart, to hook up with the evil opportunity I have, and I sin. And to deal with our heart, we need to learn to be good repenters, turning back to God. And in turning back to God, he says, if you confess your sin, I will be faithful and just and forgive your sin. And he said, and when you sin... You have someone that pleads your case before the Father. Who is that? Jesus Christ. And so when I sin, rather than beat myself up and what a fool I am and how could I ever do... I need to run to Jesus. And I need to say, as the man that had a heart after God that committed horrible sin, adultery and murder, he ran back to God, David did, and he said, against thee and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. God forgave him. We must learn to be good repenters. We must teach our kids how to repent. Not to, to hide and cover wrongdoing. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Probably the hardest phrases ever to say in, for human beings. But we need. Otherwise, once I start covering things, then my heart goes from dark to darker to darkest. Deceit puts us right into the hands of the evil one. But when I turn and repent, and I learn to be a good repenter quickly and completely turn to God, take responsibility for my sin, and acknowledge my need of His forgiveness, He said He is willing to forgive our sins. So, see... What Jesus is teaching here is we need to focus on our heart, not the externals of others. Not the externals of this world. Begin in the heart. And you know what? You'll have a full-time job right there. God... Show me my sin. God, show me the weaknesses of my heart. God, fill my heart and life with Your Word because there is a traitor that lives within me. And apart from Your grace, I will dishonor Your name. I will blaspheme Your name. I will do damage to the cause of Christ. And God... 
you forgave my sins and rescued me. That's the last thing I want. But we so easily get caught up looking at others and having these man-made tests that we measure people by. And and, I'm not going to be around them because they're not as perfect as me. They're off on this thing and this thing. and, And God looks at our heart and says, Oh, wretched man. When we really take the time to look at our heart, it'll make us run to Jesus for grace. To run to Him for forgiveness. To run to Him for power to live in victory over sin. To run to Him for transformation and deliverance. See, we should never stop running To Jesus for grace. That should be continually. God, I need it. I need it. God, I need you more than ever before. And we do. But we think the problem's with others. The problem isn't the world around us. The problem is our own heart. And that's why we continually need to be saying, God, I need you. Our our prayer ought to be what we're going to sing in just a minute. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Too often we are like the Pharisees. We're focused on all these external things. Evidence, when's the last time you went before God and confessed personal sin? If we're not, it's pretty evident we don't think we have it. When's the last time you knew the Spirit of God convicting you of sin? And did you quickly turn and repent? And give God an opportunity to say, there's a man or a woman after my own heart. They want a purity of heart. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would deal in my heart and in each of our hearts. And Lord, may we realize the greatest danger we face comes from our own heart. And I pray that we would learn to be good repenters. I pray that we would realize the seriousness of these matters. And Lord, that we would see your word is not just something to do as a devotional or something to make the day go better. That we need you to cleanse our hearts. Lord, I pray for individuals here today that honestly have never called upon You for the forgiveness of sins and they don't have a new heart. And they may mean well trying to do good, but Lord, until they come to You, they have no power. They are spiritually dead. Lord, I pray today Your Spirit would draw them 
to you and that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sin and be given a new heart. Lord, I pray for every believer here today. May we be awakened to the evil and the inclinations of our own heart. And may it become the focus in our walk with you. And Lord, I pray that you would be honored as we submit to you. And I pray that you would change our hearts for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's